the, then the thing that really sets me off is, well, once we have a vaccine, then everything will go back, back to normal. To normal. Yeah. And I say, <laughs> you mean like the flu vaccine that's 8% effective? Doesn't work. I catch if, I a, if I had a brake pad manufacturing company for cars and my brake pads were 8% effective, I would be out of business. George Floyd was not taken out because he was black. George Floyd was taken out because he was owed major drug money by Derek Shaven. You're making vaccines that are 8% effective for the flu that you have to change every year, which, by the way, give most people that take them the flu. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that this new, and they can't sue, you can't sue them for this Mm -hmm. without going through the VAERS court, which is a joke. And you're going to tell me that once we have a untested, brand new, rushed through vaccine, then everything is going to go back to normal? Good luck with that. I'll tell you what, they're going to test it in Africa like they're doing, kill a bunch of Africans, pay them off $1,000 per person, which is the maximum that they have to spend if they kill somebody. So they already know that because it's way cheaper to kill them there than kill them here. found out what the Chinese Communist Party, the Red Dragon, is doing to these people and have been doing to these people for the last 20 years in China, sending hundreds and thousands of innocent Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghur Muslims, house Christians, and Tibetan Buddhists. Particularly 95% of um, the victims are Falun Gong practitioners to be state-mandated hospitals, concentration camps, death camps, military facilities, uh, military facilities run by the Chinese military at the behest of the, of the highest-ranking officials of the Chinese Communist Party to create a illegal sanctions forced organ harvesting business. Howdy folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Defender podcast. We are coming to you from the greatest country in the world, deep in the heart of the Lone Star State, Dallas, Texas. I'm your host, Paul Aguilar. We really appreciate you guys stopping in for another episode. If you guys are catching us on YouTube and you aren't already a subscriber, please consider hitting that subscribe button as well as turn on that bell icon and give us a big thumbs up as well. It'll really help us out. If you guys are on the go and you want to check us out, you can catch us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio at Truth Defender Podcast. Uh, we'll have all the links to our social media down below, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, Facebook, and Rumble. Uh, and also, if you guys have any questions or comments for myself or a guest, guest or topic recommendations, you can shoot us an email over at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Today, we have back for a third time, I believe, uh, artist, the biblical paranormal researcher, Mr. Jason McLean. How are you doing, sir? Sir, I am. it's an honor and pleasure to be with you. Love it. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate your time, uh, especially on a Friday. <laughs> um, you know, we just got the weekend started, so yeah. looking forward to it. But um, so the reason we're all back here again, so if, I guess about a week ago, uh, I put out I think it was a post on Facebook or something. And you mentioned yeah. this is the very thing that happened in one of my books. So I was like, all right, well, we'll get you back in and uh, we'll have a long discussion about what's going on. Obviously, we all know that Russia invaded Ukraine last week. I think it was on Thursday, the 24th, I think it was. Um, so yeah. ever since mm-hmm. then, there's been war and they're slowly creeping into the Ukraine taking over piece by piece. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's some people that say this could be the start of World War Three, but a lot of people say that it's already started, depending on who you talk to. Now, from what we see, like, yeah. on the ground, 
they're you know taking over cities and bombing residential areas apartment buildings um they even just attacked one of like the biggest nuclear reactors in europe i think it was yesterday yeah um so there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on right now um now it's kind of like a long history between russia and ukraine um for i don't know maybe mm-hmm. centuries like a thousand years or so that they've been kind of associated with each other going back and yeah. forth um so it's it's kind of a weird kind of history um, one that i don't fully understand i didn't really know of until i guess last week when it all started but um yeah it's kind of a rough deal well it, yeah well sort of, sort of the way to, to describe their relationship is actually found in the word in the name of their capital city right when I was growing up, and I think probably up until very recently, everyone called it Kiev, right? Right. But now it's Kiev. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason for the difference is like, it's like, why did we start calling it Kiev all of a sudden? Well, because Kiev is Russian. Kiev is Ukrainian. Right. So because they were part of the Soviet Empire for so long, we all treat it's like here in the West, we use the Russian name for it. Even, even just as a stop. How often, because if, particularly for those of us who are a little bit older, it's hard to call it just Ukraine, not the Ukraine. Because again, growing up, it was always the Ukraine. Well, the reason for that is because that's what the Russians called it. It is literally like the front line or the beginning. So from a Russian perspective, Ukraine is not a nation. It's the front border, right? The Ukrainians are relatives, but they're they're the borderlands to Europe. Right. Because Russia always has always considered itself an Eastern nation. But I mean, that right there, so it kind of sums up the whole thing. They're clearly related. Kiev and Kiev are essentially the same word, just pronounced a little differently. Right. right. It's sort of like the difference between uh, someone from New York and someone from Texas. Right. Like that's sort of the difference. Right. They're speaking basically the same language, but just with some, you know, you know, a few different words here and there, a few different, uh, you know, different pronunciations, different, you know, very, very different, but it's not as different, like say someone from Canada versus someone from Mexico. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's very, it's, it is a strained relationship. And and the thing is like, you know, again, well, you'll use Kiev since it's the, it is Ukrainian, you know, that is into, into a broader point. It's always been the heart of even the Russian people and Russian Orthodoxy, right? The Russian Orthodox Church. Like a lot of this stuff is coming out of Ukraine. It's, I'm trying to think of a good equivalent uh, for the United States, and I really can't, except to say, imagine if when the, you know, if the United States were to fall apart, right? Right. But then like Virginia and some of the, the 13 original colonies became their own nation and then the rest of the United States was one piece or was broken up and then you had a bunch of them and then you had a few other smaller you know states break off right. like everyone would be okay with California leaving <laughs> but people would look at like those 13 original you know but those 13 original states okay we may not really want New York it's always seemed to have been as much you know more trouble than it's worth but at the same time We'd be like, well, hold on, no, that's that's the heart and soul of America, right? It's where we, it's where we were born for, from. It's where all the philosophies came out of. We would want it back, right? And 
but for them, again, the Ukrainians are a different, they're a similar related, but they are a different people group. So it does make this whole thing very, very messy. But again, to your it's just to say, this is sort of the situation they have, right? The Ukrainians are a unique people group. They are separate from the Russians, but they, but they're very much related and you could, and there's a good reason for the Russians to want them back. Now, clearly, clearly Putin's in the wrong. You don't, you know, if, again, self-determination. The Ukrainians, if they decide that they want to be a separate nation, you should respect that. Um, but again, I could absolutely see why Putin would be like, no, we want that. Plus, strategically, Ukraine is remarkably important to them uh, from a strategic, you know, position as you know, access to the, you know, to the, uh, to the Black Sea, uh, the Ural Mount, you know, the is it the Ural Mountains or um, there's a mountain range. Maybe it's not the Urals. I think it's the Carpathian Mountains also, right? Are on the other side of Ukraine. That's a that's a big deal for them uh strategically as well. So lots yeah. But it's it's a messy history. Yeah, and it, it is I mean, I mean, like I mentioned, I obviously knew what the Ukraine was and you know, for the longest time, but mm-hmm. like until last week, nobody really knew like the history kind of behind you know, the Ukraine being oh, a part yeah. of Russia and being a part of the USSR and them actually claiming sovereignty in like 91 when that all happened, when, when everything came down. Um, yep. So, you know, like kind of like, you know, they say you know, the reason why Putin's invading now is because the Ukraine wants to become a part of NATO, which I mean, there's all there's other NATO allied countries on the border of Russia. But, you know, maybe he's just using this as kind of like a pretext to get it back in there and, and, and say, you know, we don't want you guys to be a part of NATO. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to go and invade. Um, so, I mean, that's probably just being used as kind of as an excuse to just to kind of run back in there and, and see if they can finally get them back. Um, you know, obviously, the Ukraine's been a part of Russia for centuries. So, you know, they want it back in a big way, obviously. And it's kind of a weird dynamic. Right. like speak to people that that say like they live in the ukraine but they have like family in russia or vice versa and it's always kind of the right. same thing it's like like we hate them even though they're our family but they're like in russia so it's like they're russian and we don't want anything to do with them um so it's it's real it's a big kind of i don't know like it's there's like a real hate between russia and the ukraine mm-hmm. um it just so happens that the ukraine unfortunately is a smaller country so um they just kind of get the yeah. short end of the stick. <laughs> well, so there's two there's two big points here, and again, I'm certainly not the first one to come up with this one. But a lot of people that point out it's like so all these people, you know, like to your point, how many people even knew where Ukraine was until two weeks ago? Much less any kind of history between Ukraine and, and Russia. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, so <laughs> I remember the Cold War, right? right? I remember learning about the Holodomor, things like that. But it's but to your point, it's like how many how how is it that we had all of these you know ex- epidemiology uh, experts suddenly turn around and become you know tacticians and experts on Ukraine on the Ukraine Russia relationship? It's like I'm like hold on, you know I get it. I I have I got I got my my hands in some pies here, but you seem to have you seem to have your hands in all kinds of pies. I don't see a lot of connection here. Um, I'm also willing to stop and go, I don't know what the hell's going on. Right. 
because I think that's the that's the bigger point. Everyone because a lot everyone's got so many opinions on it. I'm like, hold up. You don't even begin to know what's happening. Everyone's like, well, you can watch it in real life. No, you can't. Half this stuff is made up. Half the report. I'm sorry, but the first 24 hours of any, and I mean any news report, is inherently wrong. It just will be wrong. And that's that is the first 24 hours of something that's happening here in America, right? And it's not a war zone. It's just, hey, the, just the details of any one event are going to be wrong for the first 24 hours. Yep. Every, every story. I don't care what story it is. It's always wrong. And you're telling me that in a war zone on the other side of the planet, we're getting accurate information in real time. And even if we could get accurate information in real time, are you telling me that our news media, I, I get, don't say, well, what about conservatives? I don't care, conservative or liberal. Right. You, th- you tell me they're going to tell us the actual truth? Do you think they're going to give us the actual? Of course they're not, because they can't. It's all propaganda on both sides. And so yet now we have everyone talking about, well, why is it stalled? Why is it taking so long? Well, I think there's some legitimate people who have some legitimate opinions, but it's all speculation at best. I mean, that's 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 what we have. So that's sort of my first point. My second point is, as to the tragic history, like why do the Ukrainians hate the Russians? Because, yes, the, there is a very... There's a long-standing connection between the two, but it comes down really to the Holodomor. Hmm. When Stalin took over, right, uh, and they they had Ukraine, there are a number of... It, it depends on who you talk to. Some will say as high as 20 million. Others will say it's closer to somewhere between 6 and 10. But somewhere in those numbers, let's, let's use the smaller number of like 8 somewhere between six and eight million Ukrainians were starved to death deliberately by Stalin. The, the Eastern part of the nations where they were sort of all this sort of started, right? Where they've they've had civil strife for the last few years. Um, And this is, that's where Putin originally moved in and said, Hey, we're just going in to recognize their independence, (laughs) right? These are, here's all the ethno Russians who are here, right? The reason that happened was because during the Holodomor, they actually just murdered or shipped out millions of Ukrainians. And the Russians came in to to run everything. So the reason there's more ethnic Russians in that part of Ukraine was because they killed them all. They killed all the Ukrainians who were there normal or who were there naturally. And again, there's you want to hear some of the worst stories you've ever heard outside of World War One, like trench warfare, World War One stuff. Right. L- look into the Holodomor. There are stories of of women go of, of people talking about this house on this hill. Everyone knew to stay away from her because she had gone insane because she ate her own child because they are starving. She literally murdered her own child and ate her, and or ate and ate again. I don't I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but ate him just to survive and it drove her insane and she was and she became sort of rabid i mean stories like that were absolutely common it was one of the worst things ever done that is why ukrainians absolutely hate the russians now is there intermarriage between the two to, to you know today well yeah i mean that happened 80 years ago All, you know it's actually probably closer to 100 years ago now so yeah time has passed 
but there's still going to be that hatred. I mean, you can't get rid of something, you know, like that overnight. You just can't. Uh, humans do some terrible, terrible things. But yes, the, the, the connection between Russia and Ukraine is, is it's, it's long, it's storied, and it's very, very bloody. But at the same time, like I said, they're kind of like cousins, right? Yep. Because Kiev has been the heart and soul of the Russian Orthodox Church. Always has been. So it's one, and, and of course, you know, you have what the USSR did, you have what the Soviet Empire did, um, and it, it caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. And of course, the Russians, you know, today, everyone tries to say that, oh, he's trying to rebuild the Soviet Empire. The problem is he's not really a communist, Putin. No, what no. I think, <laughs> I, oh, let me phrase this, what I've heard, yeah, what I've heard other people talk about who, who know the situation far better than I do. And have read his writings, as well as the writings of Alexander Dugan. Like, that's another person no one talks about, right? The philosophical approach that he's taking to all this is sort of a, hey, uh, it's more like a rebuilt, a, a recreation of the, of the Russian Empire. Not really the Soviet Empire, but the Russian Empire. He sees himself as sort of another uh, Peter the Great. From his, you know, sort of his perspective. He wants to reunify the Russian Empire and and build something. Again, this is where we... It's easy for us to call someone crazy when they're looking 50 years or 100 years out, right? Right. They're willing to take short-term pain for a long-term... What they see as a long-term benefit. And he is talking things like morality. You know, he is talking about building a strong and robust nation that are of people who are now, again... Is he wrong? Yes. Again, do I think that he has the the goodness of his heart out of this? No. But at the same time, it's kind of easy to sort of look at the West and say, y'all can't figure out which bathrooms to use. Why in the world do we want what you have? Right. Right? You know, he's saying, hey, I want to build people who are going to who are going to last a thousand years. Right? I want to I want I want a civilization that's not going to collapse and eat itself. They're already a third world nation. What you know? Everyone's like, oh, we'll we'll we'll, we'll topple you. You know, we'll we'll do all these sanctions. They were already a third world nation. You can't hurt them anymore. And it's not like you've actually hurt them. You haven't. They've been strengthening themselves to basically sort of dis you know disattach itself from the Western economies. And guess who's right there waiting for them? China. And you think this wasn't worked out years ago? This is all part of the plan. You know, they want this to happen. They they want to build a new empire. Um, they've been doing this with the Middle East for, for decades now, right? Russia, again, Russia and China are not friends. They shouldn't be friends. And again, I don't want to speak out of, out of hat, but it does look like, honestly, if we had been smarter about all this in the early 90s and the early 2000s, we wouldn't be in this situation. It looked like a lot of politicians just wanted to say, yep, it's easy to have the Russians as their enemy. And drive our war machine based off of those threats, then and to sort of keep them dangling, then to say, yeah, come on, let's join NATO, let's help, let's help, you know, let's build you up, let's do these things. I'm not saying that they could have happened or it could have even worked because NATO, NATO requires certain things to be done, right? And I'm not certain that, that Russia could have pulled that off. Uh, I'm not even saying necessarily that Russia would have wanted to, but they did reach out to NATO early on and say, hey. Why don't you let us join, right? Our, our, the Soviet Empire has collapsed. We're trying to rebuild. Why don't you let us join the West, right? 
and it was entirely rebuffed by Clinton. <laughs> and uh, and so it's like okay, and, and to, he even said, "Look, I get that you may not want to be friends with us, but why do you want us as enemies?" Right. And again, I'm not saying that this that we could have had peace with him. I don't know. This is not my level of expertise on that. All I know is it sure as the world looks like our leadership has not necessarily had our best interest at heart with any of this. And it does look like this was essentially he, you know, let me rephrase it this way. He has a built-in excuse to do what he's doing. Now, is his excuse legit? I don't think it is, but could you, particularly looking at the tactics on the ground where the Carpathian Mountains are? Because you're right, there are other nations that are sort of on their border, but if you look at them tactically, they're not that important. They don't really pose a danger to Moscow. Ukraine, on the other hand, particularly if you want to start putting, you know, you want to join, if, if it becomes a NATO, a NATO uh, nation, that would be strategically very, very terrible for Russia. So there's a legitimate, again, a lot of people have made this equation. It's like, well, what if China put nuclear missiles in their armies in Mexico? Yeah. Now, again, doesn't justify what he's doing. Does it justify it? I wouldn't say so. But at the same time, I can't say that, that he wouldn't look at that as, as provocation, particularly when we said it would never happen. Right. That was part of the whole deal with with Ukraine. Hey, Ukraine, give up your nuclear weapons. We'll protect you. Russia, to make you okay with this, we'll just make certain that Ukraine's never a NATO nation. So it can be neutral. You don't have to worry about it. But then what happens in 2014, right? We have, we have, we have all that turmoil with Crimea. We have, that, we have a, a coup. And there's some questions about it. Again, I'm not an expert. I don't know what the CIA did. I don't know if, if uh, the current administration is, is more, you know, if it's more CIA, how do I, how do I say this? I don't know if the CIA is is trying to to you know has a big say with this government. I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm saying is if I'm Russia and I know that the West and the and the NATO and the NATO allies don't see me will not have refused to see me as a friend or even an ally. Then yeah, I would say that I I think he's got a valid point to say you want Ukraine to join NATO, that's a threat to me. So I need to act now. Now, all that being said, I do find it really suspicious that he's able to grab the parts of Georgia that he wants under Bush. He grabs Crimea under Obama, takes a break, and now he's moving on Ukraine under Biden. All of them have certain connections, right? They all have connections to these oligarchs. Again, gas, natural, uh, or oil, natural gas. The, the, there's that real heavy connection there with all of those families and all of those groups of people. And you're like, hmm, what? something tells me that there's more going on here than I would like. Because everyone points to Hunter Biden and the Ukrainians, and I'm like, well, yeah, but he got millions of dollars from the wife of uh the mayor of moscow or right. whatever it was it's like he there and again here's the other factor people don't like to talk about i say i don't really know much about ukraine i don't want to talk out of hat and here i am um 
<laughs> because my my interest is always is actually more prophetic than the political per se on this. But everyone's running around like, well, see what did what did the oligarchs, you know, what did the Ukrainian oligarchs get for Hunter, you know, for Hunter Biden and and all these other people who have family members in Ukraine, like Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, uh, Mitt Romney, like they all have sons and nephews who are, you know, these oil experts being paid by these Ukrainian oligarchs, right? And everyone's like, see, what did they get for buying off these American politicians? Uh, I guess you probably didn't figure this one out yet. The Ukraine, even if they're Ukrainian, the oligarchs don't care about Ukraine because they've all learned you get what you steal. These are all ex-KGB guys. You think this is ha- you think this would be happening if the if the uh, if the Ukrainian oil and natural gas oligarchs didn't want this to happen? Right. Do you think we'd be pussyfooting around if they if they didn't want this to happen? No, they wanted this to happen. That's why we're not like, you know, Team America, F yeah, let's go bomb them. Like, that's why we're like, let's look at sanctions. Because I guarantee you, right? Like, I know that's, you know, Fox News, everyone's like, we got to get in there. Like, they're trying to build the support for the war. Right. (laughs) If If those Ukrainian oligarchs didn't want this to happen, if they weren't in on this, do you think... For a second, they, the, the 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 second it looked like like Putin was going to move, they would have called up and been like, uh, "Joe, what the heck?" Yeah, and we would have had B two bombers drop, you know, laying waste to the Russian, and we would have come out and said, "We are the world police. We cannot have this kind of unmitigated aggression from the Russians." Go America! Yay patriotism! It's like no. No, they wanted this to happen. That's why we're like, oh, we need to be so measured. We need to look at NATO. We got to figure it out. Let's maybe try some sanctions, right? You know, let's 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 sanction some very specific oligarchs. And by the way, we're going to have carve outs on these sanctions for so that the Italians can still sell their Gucci wares to those oligarchs. And let's certainly not cut off all of the oil and gas coming out of Russia into Europe or that we are buying. It's like, okay, so you're, so who exactly are you sanctioning? Well, we're just going to sanction the food going to the people. It's weird. Cause like now you have corporations and such, and like, like the U S soccer or like the Federation and all these things that they yeah. are banning like mm-hmm. Russian players from like tennis and golf and basketball. Like yep. nobody gives a shit. Like that, doesn't mean anything like everybody's mm-hmm. like we're doing our part and you see people on facebook with like ukraine flags all over their mm-hmm. thing and stuff and it's it's i feel bad for the people obviously mm-hmm. like these people have no say in what's going on they're just there oh, of course their, you know they're like yeah. destroyed and stuff but but i mean everybody forgets that the ukraine was corrupt as hell and russia even more um and it was, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird thing it's like growing up the biggest thing was like russia's like this big and powerful country and Putin's like this and that, like we shouldn't mess with Mm -hmm. Russia and and all this stuff. But nobody ever thought about like Mm -hmm. how poor they were. Like they don't have the kind of money that people think they do. Um, You see stories online Mm -hmm. that like, like Russian troops are like abandoning their tanks and trucks because they have no gas or like, they're like, you know, and, and there's kind of, it's like a, it's like a weird thing when I saw this and, you know, like you mentioned earlier that, that everything's 
propaganda early on. There was like videos that were surfacing and they were saying like this was happening in the Ukraine, but then people would find videos that that was Mm -hmm. actually posted like four years ago somewhere else of like planes. Oh, yeah. Flying over the city and like fighting here and there. It's just like, you know, what's going on? But like, I mean, we know what's going on. But this whole thing with like the pipeline now, like we're actually funding Russia to be in the Ukraine as we speak because we're still buying oil from Russia as we speak, like millions of freaking barrels of oil. And mm-hmm. and then we're also funding the other side. Now, nobody can get out of my mind that this isn't another push to get us into a, another 20-year war. We screwed up in Afghanistan royally, we left billions of dollars in equipment, mm-hmm. and tanks, and all kinds of stuff. And now we need something else mm-hmm. to like, like, you know, kind of prop us up again. You know, I mean, I was, I was in the military. Like, I get it. Like, I, you know, but like, there's just mm-hmm. something else to this whole thing that we're trying to start like another war out there somewhere. Um, and it, it's just, it smells fishy. This, this whole thing is just shitty on all ends. And the people yes. that are paying for it, like the Ukrainians, right? Mm-hmm. But then now in Russia, I'm talking about how like they're banning Russians from being like in the Olympics and all kinds of stuff. And then they're taking away like they can't be on mm-hmm. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, which is probably great mm-hmm. for them, but like Yeah, it's like, oh, so let me get this straight. Yeah. It's like do they don't have Facebook, Twitter, or you porn? These are gonna be the most healthy, well adjusted people on the planet Earth just in a like few China. months. Like right? Exactly. Oh yeah, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Well, it's it, all this sort of reminds me of uh okay. I hate the movie because well, okay, I have a it's a complicated relationship I have with Starship Troopers because I love the book. <laughs> so it's like I watch the movie all the time because I do enjoy it. But it's the problem is it is such a radical departure from the book. And I love the book so much that I have this. I hate that I enjoy it as much as I do. Right. right. Um, because it's just it is not the same thing at all. Uh, I have some background information on that, too, but that's entirely off point. But remember the scene when you know, they're doing the commercials and there's this and it's like some kid's birthday party or whatever. And they throw out all these uh, Madagascar hissing cockroaches and all the kids are stepping on them. Yeah. Right. Like and they're like, more? these kids are doing their part. Right. Would you like to know more? That's yeah. what we're seeing. <laughs> exactly. Is in the mother's like, oh, is it so wonderful? They're crazy. Like these are earthbound Madagascar hissing cockroaches. What? This has nothing to do with the war effort, but that's the whole point, right? The, the entire point that that um, Verhoeven was doing with the film was, and again, one of the other reasons I completely, I, I really hated what Verhoeven did, um, is he was, but he had a valid point here, is he's pointing out propaganda, right? Right. He's pointing out, you know, how people are manipulated to do what they do. When it's when when the government comes out and says you take all that Russian vodka off those shelves, so no dumb. buying those the Russian vodka. I'm like, so dumb. okay, hold on. I've seen this before, right? Again, let's forget about Starship Troopers. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the last few wars we've been in. It's like you know, I remember this stuff. I've seen this. I've seen all of this before. But again, I think it's. it's that one scene amplifies what we're talking about here. It's it's designed to get people like, no, we got to go to war. It, it, it's almost like the um, 
the family guy scene where, where he, where Peter's in Congress and they're like, there's no reason to go to war in Afghanistan or Iraq. I forget which one it is. And they have Peter saying, yeah, but what you're forgetting, sir, is that anyone who doesn't want to go to war is gay. And everyone's like, oh, I don't, I'm not gay. It's like, let's go to war. That is literally the stage that we're in right now where it's like, Hey, um, maybe we want to think about this before we get engaged with a, with a nuclear power. What are you pro Putin? You love the Russians. I'm like, first of all, you know, we have, it's like you, you, you want the downfall of the West. Two months ago, you were telling me that the West was a racist empire that needed to fall. And now I'm supposed to say, yes, let's please go pick a fight with a nuclear-powered entity on the other side of the world to defend the West? I need you to pick a freaking side. You people all loved the Russians 30 years ago. You said, we got to all become... You're still using the freaking communist flag right now. You burned down our cities last year and the year before last protesting that we weren't communists. And now we got to defend the West? I need you, I need everyone to stop for two seconds and pick a side. That's all I want. <laughs> it's like, can we, can we be honest about it? But no, we can't ever be honest about this stuff. It's the same thing that, that happens can... with like the people that were against second amendment. And mm-hmm. then here, like in the U S like, why do you need a gun? And this and that, blah, blah, blah. But then when they see the Ukrainian government handing out yes. rifles to all their citizens, it's just like, yeah, like we got to go in there and, you know, if we can kill them all and this and that. And it's like, um, okay, but yeah. you don't want me to have a gun. It's like, I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember talking to somebody, and I was, I was telling them like, it's been a while since I'd seen any kind of posts online from any kind of like feminist group or like these groups about like mm-hmm. equality and stuff. And I remember posting something about like, I haven't seen that like in a long time. Like, all you feminists better keep up that same energy. Yeah. When they bring back the draft or you know stuff like that, like. There's there's gonna be equality. Like I want to see you guys out there. I haven't seen anything yep. like none of that weird stuff anymore. Yeah. Oh, my favorite TikTok I think is it, trend has become women being like, "I am independent. I don't need no man." And then they get a letter and they open it and they're like, "I do the cooking. I do the cleaning." Um. I think my favorite version was some woman says, "Feminist." She sits down, open, and just as she opens the letter. Creedence Clearwater starts playing and <laughs> she closes it real quick and then she opens it and it, it, uh, it's, you know, uh, born on the 4th of July. It starts playing by Creedence Clearwater and she goes, maybe I'm not a feminist anymore. <laughs> I, I let me follow up and say, I need to make an apology to all of my leftist friends, all of our, our good American friends who are on left, who have for the last you know, since I've been alive, been telling me that I don't need an AR-15. I actually have an SKS. But my point is, you're right. I don't need an AR-15 with with a 30-round with a, a clip. You're absolutely right. I don't need that. What Ukraine has shown me and what were the error of my thinking, and I completely agree with all, I think we can all come together now, those on the left, those on the right, let's all come together and agree, we don't need AR-15s with 30-round clips. Or magazines, I'm sorry. What we need is select fire with 50-round drum magazines. That's what we need. We and, and the United States government should provide them. We have plenty of surplus. Uh, we've got plenty of surplus 
uh, M16s lying around because we're getting ready to switch over to the to the new things anyway. We have plenty of those. We were able to leave $84 billion worth of uh, military equipment in Afghanistan. I think we can come up with an extra 20 for uh, you know for rifles, 50 round uh, canister uh, magazines, and 1,000 rounds of ammunition. For every one who... That's what we need as American citizens, government. Jump right on it. Leftists, thank you for agreeing with us. Ukraine has shown you has shown you the truth. This is what we need. Let's get on this, Congress. Where is the where is the where is the gun in every you know, let's put a cap in every ass. That's what I'm saying. Let's 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 learn from this. Let's not have to do this, you know, you know, at the last minute when whenever when those Chinese tanks are rolling in. Let's go ahead and let's do this. Let's let's get those thousand rounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so again, that's my apology. That is my apology to the left, to, to all of my leftist friends for every time they said, you don't need an AR-15. With, I'm like, well, I've got an SKS, and yes, I do have a 30-round clip. But you're right. I, I, I was wrong for the last 20 years of my life, my leftist friends. I, I completely agree with you. I do not need an AR-15 with a 30-round clip. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, I, so, I mean, I'm staring at, I'm staring at several... Automatic, not automatic, semi-automatic weapons right here next to me, but um, that that one was kind of like the, the weirdest one that I, you know, that everybody yeah. here was saying like we didn't need or, or have been saying for the longest uh-huh. time that we don't need any kind of weapon whatsoever. But as soon as that kind of news story came out all over Twitter and Facebook, I, I, was, I saw everybody that I, there were like anti-Second Amendment in the past. They were like, yeah, like, hand out weapons and like what can we do to help and you know all this stuff and i was just like what are we talking about here like it's the exact same thing and Mm -hmm. that's the reason why we have weapons here in the u.s now obviously if we didn't have them it'd be a little harder for it's Mm -hmm. it's still be hard for other countries to come and invade here because you know like our military and such but the fact that nobody's ever tried to at all is just because we all have weapons in our houses and that's the only thing that keeps oh, absolutely. Our, our, our governments in check. Mm-hmm. And they always say like, oh, you're going to fight the government with your rifle and they have a tank and this and that. It's just like, yeah. You, you, did yeah. you hear Vietnam? Like, that shit happens. Afghanistan? Now, now we have the Ukraine because they obviously don't have any weapons whatsoever and they're handing out like freaking secondhand rifles or like the person dies you pick up his rifle and fight. Like, yeah. It's like the spirit of being in a war. Like, yeah, that other army can have billions of dollars and the best equipment and stuff. But if these people like really want to fight and they're fighting to keep what you know what's theirs, like it's not going to be as easy. Like it's you know that's why we have that here. Well, it, okay. So uh, the the hypocrisy I'm going to come back to in a second, but just on the logistics of of warfare, because I have seen, you know, I, I've seen a good World War II movie or, or once or twice. Uh, so clearly I'm, I'm qualified to speak on the matters of war. Um, you know, the one thing a lot of people, when they say, well, what are you going to do when those tanks go rolling down? Yes, it's actually quite easy to take care of tanks. The problem that most people do not understand when it comes to tank warfare or any of these uh, sophisticated systems is they are heavily dependent on maintenance. I don't, it's like, yes. You may have a $2 billion fighter or, you know, attack jet, but guess what? If you cut off the fuel supplies, if you take out the mechanics, that thing's not going to fly for very long. Those tanks, you have to work on them all the time. You take out the, again, you take out the maintenance crew. Again, 
we have Russian tanks, and of course, it's not just the tanks. You have the amphibious uh, landing craft, but they're running out of gas. I do have my doubts as to how much of that is accurate, because let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, I imagine no matter how you've got, a, if you have an invasion force, somebody's going to run out of gas sometimes, right? Nothing's going to go off without a hitch. We ran out of gas when we invaded Iraq. Now, again, so, but that to the side, yeah, if you, the point is, if you can cut off those supplies, yeah, you can absolutely take out a, a superior force. Whether it's Chinese, whether it's the United States government turning on its people, whether it's Russia, whether it's some new fangled, you know, all the, uh, all of uh, the Taliban with all the $84 billion worth of weapons we left them, they come over here. All you got to do is cut off that supply line and you're done. And that's much easier to do on area and land that you know about. You understand it. You can, I mean, it's the whole point of guerrilla warfare is you're not going to go toe to toe with some, with a, with a superior force. What you do is you do a quick hit, you ambush, and then you get out. And if you can cut those supply lines, you can damage, again, take out the mechanics and the engineers. You, that tank is a giant paperweight. And as soon as you have a few of those in the right roads, the, they, they're going to have to spend all their time trying to get them out of the way, which allows you to take out more supply lines. Like, it's... it's Okay. It's, I, I swear this seems completely off base, but I'm going to... But this actually does have a point, and then we can talk about the hypocrisy. And we can actually talk about the point that I have some, some expertise in. When was the last time you ever saw any, I mean any, movie set in the middle ages where people were using uh javelins that's true or spears a lot. <laughs> I've never, or I halberds know. or slings yeah. no you haven't and here's the worst the word the thing is the javelins they would have used in the middle ages look like giant arrows because they had fletchings on the end so they'd be more accurate and when like they're storming the castle you see them pouring you know you see people doing boiling oil but you don't ever see people with these giant javelins that look like or uh, javelins that look like arrows and they're just like we you know they just drop them off the edge <laughs> right well but that's the whole point we don't well why don't we see that because all of our movies and the way we we picture this stuff is always inaccurate it's made to be the most flamboyant it's made to be the most you know and it's so we all direct this way so the, the problem is most people unless you spent your entire life studying warfare you don't really know how things are going to go. You, most people don't even understand the, you know, for every one soldier, I think it's eight to 10 people have to support him between food, logistics. Um, it was Eisenhower who said, amateur study tactics, professional study uh, logistics. Any, any military expert that you talk to, whether it's historical, modern, they will tell you the logistics of feeding arming maintaining that tr the the troops are the number one thing you can do the people who don't do that properly like again anecdotally we're kind of seeing in in the russia ukraine issue you know invasion again it's showing that that's that's a mistake that they're making and that will cost them dearly so when i talk when people talk about it like well what are you gonna do with your with your what are you gonna do with your 40 year old sk you know chinese made a sks well, all I need to do is take out a couple tires. All I got to do is is make certain that uh, a um, a tanker truck full of fuel doesn't make its destination. That's all I got to do, yeah. right? Cutting off like the the logistics of warfare is far more important than 
really even the tactics that they use. Because if you've got your soldiers fed, if you can care for them uh, medically, if you can if you can supply them with re with uh, with relief efforts, uh, you can refuel them, you can resupply them. You're going to win that war. You're going to win that battle. But again, most people, particularly those on the left, don't really understand these things. So they say stupid things like, what are you going to do when those tanks are rolling down the street? Because they don't understand what they're talking about. This is why the, this is also why the people who like to scream about, we have to save the environment, we, global warming. I'm sorry, it's, it's climate change now because God forbid you actually say what the, what's supposed to be bad is happening. Because it's not actually warming. It's like, but that aside, they're like, well, why? Okay, well, why are you focusing on windmills and solar power, which is really, really inefficient? Why don't you we focus on nuclear power? No, we can't talk about nuclear power. They don't understand what they're talking about. They want to be seen as knowledgeable. They want to be seen as caring. So they don't actually look into any of this. They don't understand what they're talking about, which goes back to my original point: their hypocrisy. The reason there, it's not actually hypocrisy. That's the problem. They literally don't care. They don't care if you have a gun or not. They don't care about the environment, really. What they want is power. They believe that there's a utopian future that if everyone just does what they're told, we can live in peace and harmony. And if we just give everybody all the stuff, we'll live in peace and harmony. They think that humanity can be perfectible. They don't actually believe any of this. Right. And the problem is we as we on the right we fight them as if they're arguing in good faith. They never have argued in good faith. That's why they can scream about they can scream about racism and then say all white people are evil. That's why they can say you have to you have to pay for for the sins of uh, ancestors you may or may not have had because you're white. But at the same time, well, all the white people who died to free slaves and fought for civil rights that doesn't apply to you. Right. Yeah. It's because they don't actually care. They don't care about whether or not you have a gun or not. They want you to submit. It's all, all of these things are lies. They're all, they're all smoke screens for what they really want, which is power politically over people. Again, it's the same reason you can be, you know, if you're a black conservative, suddenly you're not black. Now you can sell drugs to kids. You can, you can gangbang and, and, and shoot up. Uh, black neighborhoods, you can burn down black neighborhoods all day. You're a real, you're a true black person, right? Because we, and we know this because when uh, Clarence Thomas was up, was up, they said, no, Snoop Dogg's, uh, or it wasn't, it wasn't that he was up for it. It was later. People were talking about uh, Clarence Thomas and it was, I think it was Jesse Jackson. I may be wrong on that. They came and said, Clarence Thomas isn't black. Snoop Dogg would be a real black man. I'm sorry, you mean the guy who was selling drugs to kids like 15 years before this comment? No, uh, Eric July, right? He's here in Dallas, libertarian. Love his, uh, love his group. Uh, his, he's, a, I don't even know what you call it. It's metalcore or something, but it's a, it's a libertarian metalcore group. Um, actually, I really like, I like Statheus. Good guy. He has this great point where he's like, when I, he's like, when he was a kid running around, Causing trouble, getting into fights, you know, causing trouble in the neighborhood. No one ever said he wasn't black. The second he stopped, uh, but the second he turned his attention and started thinking for himself, suddenly he's not black. 
So why is it you can you can burn down na- black neighborhoods, you can kill black kids, you can sell drugs and destroy black families, and you're and you're that's what you that is that's blackness. Oh wait, you wanna you wanna actually bring prosperity to the black neighborhoods? You want intact black families so the kids don't grow up and they can actually go to good schools? Oh well, you're white now. Yeah, yeah, it's always been one of those crazy again things I never understood. It's the same thing for like obviously being the part of like the Hispanic community. Like if I go back home to where mm-hmm. I'm originally from in El Paso, like, yeah, the minute you mention anything that goes against you know just what we've always been mm-hmm. associated with and like growing up and it's like like bro like yep. you're white now or like what it's just like wait what the fuck like dude it's like i moved out of the neighborhood and like i went to school and i got out of there for a reason bro like you know where we came from and like growing up the kind mm-hmm. of shit that we get into and like people dying and all, like you just that's like cool to you like you just want your family to be raised in that kind of shit all the time but because mm-hmm. we have like the the spirit and the, and the drive to want to get out of there like now all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not down anymore. Like I'm not Mexican anymore. Like I'm not part of the crew. Like it's just like, what are you guys even talking about? Cause I want my son to grow up in a nice neighborhood mm-hmm. and like have all the shit that I didn't have when I was growing up. Like it's like this weird kind of, that's not weird. It's stupid. And it's just like, why would you want your people to be stuck mm-hmm. in that kind of lifestyle? Like pick your people up. Let's fucking go to school. Let's get good grades. Let's get great jobs. Mm-hmm. We can all hang out. Like what's, what's the, the appeal of living in a shitty ass apartment in like a shitty neighborhood. You never have no money to like go out and party yeah. or go to the movies or like go out to eat and have a good time. Instead, mm-hmm. you're just always fucking poor, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. let's, let's get money. Let's, let's have a good job and let's do some awesome things. Let's go on yeah. vacations and stuff. But nah, it's just like, nah, bro, you're not part of it anymore. It's just like, all right, well, let's go, I'll go be white over here then. Shit. <laughs> Well, so so actually, this is I think this is a good sort of pathway into where my real expertise would lie. If you take out the supernatural world, none of nothing ever makes sense, right? And this is the thing that people need to understand. And particularly if you're if you're a Christian, most most American Christians do not grow up with a supernatural worldview. It is all flat. It's it's just well, yeah. I mean, God exists and angels exist, but you know, demon demons exist, but they're all kind of you know out there, and it's just us doing things, right? right? There is a supernatural world, and it interacts with us. The problem is, even to say it's supernatural, I think separates us separates it from the normality of what we actually exist in. Why did all these people just go absolutely nuts when Trump won? Like this is, and this is something that a lot of people don't don't get with me. I'm like, look. So did you support Trump? I'm like, from a political standpoint, I supported what he went for. I don't think he's a good person. But I also, they're like, but you said you'd think that Trump was, you know, put there, in, you know, divinely by God. Well, I think everyone's put there divinely by God, whether you like it or not. Obama was, Bush was, Biden is. Like, God is supreme and, and ordains all things, whether you like it or not. He's involved. Now, the question is, what is he doing? That's the question we need to ask. The reason everyone, like people started just screaming at the sky was because he was interrupting something. God put him there to interrupt a plan. We're seeing the plan right now. Like I'm like, you know, guys, the spirit of the antichrist has been in the world for a very long time. This is, this is not new. This is the way it's been going. Trump interrupted something. And that's what, what they freaked out about. 
he was he was a wrench in all these. He was a monkey wrench in a in a in gears that the Antichrist and all these spirits over the world had in motion. Most people, again, I highly recommend Heiser's work, uh, Michael Heiser. If y'all don't know him, you need to go research him right now. Read his books. Deuteronomy 32, but let me focus on this real quick. Deuteronomy 32 has been mistranslated in the modern Bible because it's based on the Masoretic text. What we've seen both in Septuagint and other uh, and other sections coming out of the Dead Sea Scrolls is that Deuteronomy 32, where it describes how after the, essentially after the Tower of Babel, that God divides up humanity right into nations and tongues. The Masoretic text, so most Bibles will read according to the sons of of Israel, right? Okay. Well, that doesn't make sense because they didn't ex- Israel didn't exist yet. The better translation is according to the sons of God. It's the whole divine counsel idea that we see all throughout the Old Testament and informs very highly Paul's theology in the New Testament. Like, why does Paul talk about these principalities and thrones in higher places? That that's our real target. Those are the, our real enemy. It's not the people. It's not It's not the, the governors and the, and the mayors and stuff. It's the supernatural beings above them. That's our problem. Where does Paul get that from? Well, it comes from his understanding of Deuteronomy 32, the divine counsel. That when God divorces humanity, right, at the Tower of Babel, he sets up these other spirits over humanity. Those are the gods that they were worshiping. They were real. But they were supposed to keep, they were supposed to mind and watch over humanity. That was their job, but they fell. They became corrupt. That's why in the Psalms, it's you know it says, "But you, you know you call your sons of God, but you will die like the princes of men." That is that's the Psalm that Jesus quotes to the Pharisees, right? He when he says, I, you know, says "But I, you know I'm a son of God." You know he's quoting that he's quoting that Psalm. What he's pointing to, he's like, "No, no, no! You know that there are other sons of God. I'm one of them, but I'm the son of God. I'm the one that's going to kill them." I'm the one who's going to take, who's going to replace him. This is why Jesus inherits the nations. It's because he's throwing down, he's going to destroy, he's going to kill these other spirits upon his return. He inherits the nations because of their destruction. That's why when Paul is writing the New Testament, he's like, look, we're not actually fighting these people. The reason these idiots, you know, these idiot SJWs with the purple hair, they can't figure out what bathroom to go in. Are when Trump was elected, they're throwing themselves on the on the floor and screaming at the sky. No, like the reason this is all happening is because there's <laughs> demons that are over them. That that's what they're expressing. It is the demonic entities that they are bound to, that they are controlled by, that is upset. That's why everyone seemed to lose their minds. It's because they aren't in their right minds because they aren't freed. Only Christians are free to actually have free will. Until then, you're still bound by the sins that you're in, and you're bound to those demonic spirits. You're bound to those fallen, to those fallen, na- you know, nation spirits. If you're not, at, and and I would argue the reason things have gotten so bad in America is because as a church we stopped doing that. We stopped arguing over these spirits. We stopped fighting against them, guys. I assure you, God is not the God of our nation. He never has been. 
What did happen, though, was that the men and women who were Christians, who were willing to fight for the kingdom, they got into power. And so those spirits over the nation couldn't affect them. Not really, not directly. They were able to hold the line because we are the nation in the kingdom of God, not the United States. Texas is not more is not more blessed by God because because God's like oh, I like Texas better. I don't know, man. It's good. It's it great, is. It's a great spot. Well, look, look. Texas is a, okay. <laughs> look, I I am a fifth generation Texan. I have I have no intention of ever leaving Texas under oh, any yeah. circumstances. That having been said, I will honest and again, I love Texas. I know every inch of Texas. It is the most geographically diverse place in the, in the world. There is a reason nobody could control Texas. Texas is a freaking hellhole, naturally. The reason it's as wonderful and beautiful as it is is because we fixed it. We came in with, uh, with, our, with, with, our, with our minds, our ingenuity, and we made it a better place because that's what God wants us to do. It, our, first, and our first command we still have is to go and subdue the earth. It is to be is to have dominion over the earth. It is to bring the order of God to the world. That is our first and only charge. Well, that's our first charge as humans, as homo sapien. That's our charge. Everything else we get, you get as a Christian. We, our, our country was good. Our country was prosperous when we as Christians fought. When we stood up for what was right, we demanded the right happen. This is why slavery ended. This is why Jim Crow eventually ended. It's not that there isn't evil when there's a Christian around. It's that there's a Christian around to fight it. The reason it's gotten so bad is because Christians stopped fighting a long time ago. We would rather... we. All right, I'm going to start preaching. We would rather... Be willing, be wearing $22,000 suits, get up on stage at CPAC and have the entire world, again, conservative, liberalism, we want the world to say, look at how respectable that man is. That man's a preacher. He's a man of God. Look at how wonderful he is. Let's put, let, let's, let's invite him to speak at a college graduation. Let's have him go speak at our high school dedication. Let's have him, look, he's a respectable man in the community. That's what we want. Well, guess what? The world will never, ever, ever respect you if you're teaching the truth of God. If you are speaking against sin, if you are teaching what Jesus taught, you will never be respected by, by the world. It's impossible. Jesus told us we couldn't be respected. He's like, no, they're going to be against you. The only, the only reason this country has fallen the way it has so far so quickly is because we got to, and I'm, this is not a denomination thing. This is a, this is a Christian church thing. Our country is the way it is because your pastors, and by the way, y'all in the pews aren't doing your job. We got 60 years ago, LBJ bought every church with as a, with a 501 C3. It, it, the 501c3 is a contract with the government. That's what allows you to write off your taxes when you give to the church. If you speak about politics and a few other things, the government says, you're not a church anymore. You don't get to be tax deductible. That's why the change. They got bought out. Like, oh, well, 
okay, I guess that's what we're going to do now. Well, guess what? Anyone who can tell you what not to say is your master, straight up. If they can tell you what you can and cannot say, they are your master. If they are your master, then Jesus cannot be your head. How in the world are you going to have a church that has revival, that has Jesus as the head of that church, if the government can tell you what to say? You can't. The spiritual, the, the spiritual, the legal, and the, and, and the political are all intertwined. Right. You, can't, you can't separate them. Every major church right now has a contract with the government. They can tell them what to say or what not to say. And I'm sorry, but if you're a pastor who's like, well, I won't let them say, tell me what I can and cannot say, great, you're an oath breaker. God takes that seriously too. Yeah. You're, so been, great, you're going to lie. It's always been like a something that really gets to me. And obviously, you know how you said that mm-hmm. no one would respect us, you know, for kind of preaching the word and, and you know, just spreading that awareness about God and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, so it's always gotten on my nerve how whenever somebody is identified as being like a Christian or someone who worships God or things like that, that they're always like that, that weird person. Like everybody's always like, Oh, that, there's that weird guy that's always talking about God or something. Yeah. Like, when did that, I mean, it's when did that ever like switch like to, to where that was the outlier, you know, like that always gets to me. Like always, always, whenever you speak, Whoever it is, whenever you hear somebody talking about God or you know whatever, mm-hmm. and we'll, and we'll use Kanye West as an example. As soon as he started talking about God or you know like that, he made that album. Like they wanted to mm-hmm. put him in a freaking crazy house, and they wanted to put him on medication because they thought he was going crazy. And yeah. Like, like when uh, that that gets to me like so much, and it's just. It's unfortunate, but it's not mm-hmm. like it's not planned out that way. You know, it's that's obviously happening for a reason, but it that always always got to me. I just don't like it at all. <laughs> well, if so, first of all, Kanye West probably does have a problem or two. Um, yeah, but that being sure. said, let me tell you, let, let me tell you something that's a little more that's it is both heart wrenching and true. It's always been that way. The thing is, it was just, it was more, everyone was, there were two things that happened. It was more respectable not to make fun of Christians directly. Nobody would ever say that. That was, that was sort of the thing. But the other thing is, (laughs) oh no, because you'll get blown up. You'll get your, you'll get decapitated. But secondly, it's also because a lot of Christians, honestly, they, they kept their Christianity in the church. Um, uh, Wil- William Wilberforce, you know what the main claim made against him was? And for those of you who don't know who William Wil- Wilberforce was, he was the abolitionist who helped to end the slave, the British slave trade. There's actually, an in- there's an uh, inter- interesting movie, uh, that was made about him like f- 10, 15 years ago. Um, Lone, I think it's Lone, uh, Gruffle, uh, anyway, the guy who played Mr. Fantastic, um, in the first two films, he plays William Wilberforce. It's a really well done movie, but one of the main charges made against William Wilberforce was that a crate was that he had been possessed by the spirit of some crazy preacher. It, my friend, it has always been this way. To the ancient Israelites, the prophets, when they came to speaking the truth of God, they were crazy. 
to when Jesus came, he they considered him crazy. Paul, they considered him crazy. Uh, William Tyndale was a was a heretic and a, and a crazy man. Martin Luther was a heretic and a crazy man. William Wilberforce was a heretic and a crazy man. It's it, this has always been the case. The thing is, we had this short time, this short period in history, which is the history we were born into, right? Where Christianity was at least superficially respected. It was polite not to bash them. There was at least a tiny piece of respect. And now we've just gone back to the way it actually normally is. Where Christians, where true Christianity is opposed. Okay, and for a guy who spends his time helping people with demons and shadow people and creatures with backwards legs tormenting their children... The most surreal sentence I've ever I've said in a long time was this over the last week or so, John Cooper of Skillet, right lead singer of Skillet, and um, Alyssa Childers, one of the singers from from Zoe Girl. If you're if you're a '90s Christian kid, you'll understand the, those references, and if you're if you listen to metal now, you understand Skillet. They came under fire for for opposing. Uh, progressive Christianity by Phil Vischer, the guy who who helped create Veggie Tales. He's got a podcast, and he came out against them opposing progressive Christianity. I'm like, how in the world is Larry the Cucumber fighting against Orthodox Christianity? Like, this is the world we live in now. But here's the thing. It's always been this way. Jesus said he would separate the wheat and the tares. That's what we're seeing. Why has critical race theory just completely consumed the church? Why has progressive Christianity taken over the church? Why are there witches, active witches, publicly worshiping witches, using tarot cards as in churches now? Because we're exposing the wheat and the tare, right? You can't tell a wheat from a tare until they're mature. Well, that means when the time is right, when they, when it's, when it comes time to harvest, that's when you get, to, sorry, that's when you see who they are. That's when you know, that's wheat and that's a tear. Right. The closer we get to the end, the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more we're going to see who's who and what's what. We're going to see who the, who the Christians are. We're going to see who the pretenders always have been. That's the age that we're in. And which does bring me back to Ukraine and Russia. What is going on there? Why does this war matter? Like I said, I'm not a military expert. I'm not an expert on Russia or Putin. I can't tell you what his mindset is. I can't tell you if he's crazy or not. I think it's foolish to think that he is. But I don't I don't have better information coming out of Ukraine than anybody else does. So why am I here? What is the importance of... Uh, why am I talking about Ukraine and Russia? Aside from the fact I do actually like military history. Push that to the side. Here's the importance. Daniel 7. There are four beasts mentioned. One's a lion with eagle's wings that gets removed. One is a, is a bear that has three ribs in its mouth. One is a four-headed leopard with four wings. One is a mystery creature that, with iron teeth and iron claws, and he can't describe it. I have on my channel, uh, on my YouTube channel, a full teaching on sort of revealing these things. But let me sum it up. The bear that Daniel saw is Putin's Russia. This is Russia becoming the bear that Daniel saw. The lion was the United Kingdom 
and it's it is fully formed now. It is what Daniel saw, because the lion the lion has always been the symbol of of England. The eagle is our symbol. We were removed on on July fourth, seventeen seventy six. Daniel, chapter seven, verse four describes this lion having the eagle's wings removed. It stands up on its hind leg and is given the mind of the man. Well, let's look at the, if you look at the flag and the, and the coat of arms, again, not only is the lion the symbol of, of uh, the official symbol of, of England, the way that the eagle is for us, on most of the heraldic images, that lion is standing on its hind legs. And after we were separated from it, that's when they created the parliamentary system. The, the parliamentary system. It's when they got the prime minister, and it became a democracy. It was given the mind of a man. Russia has always been called the bear, the Russian bear. I'm old enough to remember uh, Reagan running this this uh, commercial for his reelection, where there's this beast. This bear, this giant grizzly bear, just hunting through the forest, menacingly looking around, and it's and the whole point of the commercial was you've got to reelect Reagan because that's the Russian bear and he's coming to kill you and your kids. Right. Russia has always been the bear, but look up Vladimir Putin's uh, All Russia Party. Its official symbol is the bear. Now. Here's why I say it's, it has to be Putin's Russia. Not just the fact that his political party, which is the party that runs Russia right now, um, and probably will moving forward, is the bear. It's not just that. The bear of Daniel has three ribs in its mouth. Three ribs. One of them... So, in, in, in the importance of the ribs, let me, let me talk about that for just a second. The bear is up on its side. The imagery is that the ribs in its mouth, and it specifies in between its teeth, I mean, it's crunching down on these ribs. Come out of its own side. This bear has ripped these, or these these ribs have been ripped out and is crunching down on them. We have, for certain, parts of of Georgia. He didn't. Putin didn't take all of Georgia, but he doesn't have to. Right. Georgia is a former Soviet state. It was part of the Soviet Empire. Once it collapsed, it became its own nation. He went in militarily, gained sections of, of Georgia. He took Crimea militarily, now Ukraine. In my book that I wrote many, many years ago, I mentioned that Ukraine is probably going to end up being the third rib. Now, I don't know that for a fact, so let me be very, very specific. I don't know that Crimea is the second rib, and Ukraine is the third rib, or if Ukraine and uh, Crimea are the second rib, right? So there could be another rib coming. But the point is, this is the this is the bear of Russia becoming the bear of Daniel seven. Now, why does it matter if Ukraine is the second or the third rib? Here's why it matters. After the uh, at the end of this prophecy, where it's describing the bear and telling us that this is going to become Putin's uh, Russia, it is told to arise and devour much flesh. If Ukraine is the third rib, 
then we are looking at, I think we are looking at a third world war. Because it, what does the bear do? It, rise, it arises to devour much flesh. Now, if Ukraine is only the second rib and Crimea is just considered to be a part of Ukraine, right? If it's so if Crimea and Ukraine combine to make the second rib, then we have, we won't have all out war yet. We'll have another sort of invasion like this, then we'll have another war. So I can't say which one it is for certain. I try not to overset my bounds. People ask me, well, what is, well, what about China? I'm sorry. I, to, to date, and I, I don't see a single prophecy that has China in it. There are some hints I think may be telling, but I can't say for certain. I don't, it's not my job. I'm not trying to overstep. I, I like what I can look at and objectively measure, which is hard with prophecy. But that's why I stick, I believe in sticking to the text. You've got to look at the text. Yeah, I don't, I don't think China yeah, is so too eager to destroy. My fear is that Ukraine is the third rib. Yeah, I don't think China is too eager to be destroying sorry, other countries and, and such. They they just want to be in control of everything. So, you know, it's not in their best interest to be invading other countries and, and starting all out war. But, uh, you know, so... Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of right, not the way not the way Putin would. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and so like I wanted to kind of get to that point. So I'll read Matthew twenty four verse six through thirteen, which obviously Mm -hmm. it says, "You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are Mm -hmm. not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Mm -hmm. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places." Uh All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to the persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the Mm -hmm. one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Um, Now, I mean, obviously, when everybody talks about it, they, you know, they think, Russia, this whole thing's kind of World War Three, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't think it is yet, but I mean, this this kind of thing's been mm-hmm. kind of prophesized for like years and years and years. Are we like actually at that? Oh yeah, doorstep yeah. right now, or is it, or is it still far out? Well, the problem is everyone treats World War Three like it's Armageddon, and it's not, right? In fact, very specifically. Um, in fact, I would argue that the, not to get too far off topic, but that the, the beginning of, of the, the sort of the beginning trials that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 24, I would argue you can actually literally pinpoint it to, to, um, 9-11, hmm. 2001. I think that was the beginning of the birth pains. I've got a long reason. It's a very long reason to explain why. Again, that's neither here nor there. The thing is, and this is something we have to we, we we have to look at Revelation and Daniel as the same book. This is this is something we a lot of theologians miss. Daniel twelve. Again, this is in the video, but I'll sum it up. Daniel twelve. He looks out. He's he's given this vision of the mighty angel, right? But he also sees two other people in linen, or two other people standing in the in, in the in the corner. Let me jump ahead. That's what we're seeing is Revelations 10 and 11, where John confronts the the mighty angel and is given the scroll. Daniel was watching John talk to Michael, 
when he's given the scroll, scroll to prophesy. The reason this is important is when I mentioned that the third, which one, you know, whether Ukraine is the third rib or not, the reason that's important is it arises to devour much flesh. Okay. Maybe it's World War III. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But there is a trumpet coming. And one third of humanity dies in this trumpet. Uh, you mind telling me how you wipe out two billion people in what looks like some kind of a war? Uh, yeah, and it's, it talks about an army with two hundred million men, right? Uh, okay, that's interesting. Except the only army that could field that many people would be China. So, again, is is World War Three Armageddon? I don't believe it is. Could it wipe out two billion people? Yeah, I think it could. And because the Bible says something like that is going to happen. So, but again, it's like, so do we freak out? No, you shouldn't be freaking out if you're a Christian. If you're non-Christian, you should freak all the way out. And then you should get with Jesus, like, right now. Like, if you're not a Christian, freak out. I'm telling you, two billion people are going to die in probably the next, uh, at some point over the next 10 or 20 years, two billion people are going to die. That's a lot of people. I don't know that I'm going to walk around and be like, that's not going to be me. I mean, yeah, you could probably get that number if Asia was wiped out. But I'm not going to count that that's where the body count stops. You don't know. Again, one of the questions that's always asked, why is it American prophecy? I don't know. Maybe because we're not all that important. There's an easy way to describe it. We're just not important. We're not actually involved. Or it could be we're a radioactive wasteland. I mean, either works. So if you're not a Christian, you need to freak all the way out and then run to the nearest Bible and you need to get right with Jesus right now. Find the nearest Christian who isn't caught up in all this stupidity and he's like, how do I become a Christian? I need to become a Christian right now. Because I assure you, whether it's 10 years from now and nuclear fire or a heart attack tomorrow or a car wreck 20 minutes from now, it is Armageddon for somebody right now. Every day is somebody's Armageddon. You need to get right with Jesus now. I'm already right with Jesus. I don't care how this is going to play out. I know I don't miss the rapture, whether I'm alive or dead. Right. I'm also pre I'm also pre wrath, but that's a different kettle of fish. Like, mm-hmm. but everyone's like, well, you know, what about the rapture? I don't care when the rapture occurs. Everyone gets every Christian gets to go in the rapture. It doesn't matter what if it's pre mid or or, or pre wrath or post trib pre wrath, kind of the same thing. It doesn't matter. You're going anyway. Great. You got it's like, well, what happens if you get martyred? Well, okay, so I'm dead. I just get to come back. I get to respawn with Jesus. What's the problem here? Right? If I'm not claimed, then I need to fight and I need to stand for as long as I can until he comes. I don't have a problem here. My job is not trying to save the world. My job is to save those that Jesus has sent me to. It's to speak the truth. Anything else is crap. So again, I look at Russia and and Ukraine. I'm seeing the beast of the bear from Daniel 7. 
I'm seeing the potential for World War for maybe World War Three. Okay, doesn't bother me. That's what's supposed to happen. That's going to happen. I can't stop that from happening. What I and everyone who's watching this can do, if you're a Christian, is we can find somebody who's not a Christian and say, you need to get right with Jesus. Tell them why. Tell them how. And if you're watching this and you're not a Christian, I highly recommend you get right with Jesus right now. Because it doesn't matter when you die. We're all going to die. And that means you're going to meet Jesus one way, whether you like it or not. Now, you can think I'm crazy. That's fine. But I'll say this. When we're all standing there and Jesus looks over to you and says, hey, remember, and you're like, but I didn't know you were real. It's like, well, didn't you listen to Paul and that crazy fat white guy on that (laughs) podcast one time? And he told you to get right with me? Yeah. Well, you should have listened to him, shouldn't you? Just saying. Like, Daniel 7's coming true, whether you like it or not. And that's your evidence right there. Like, again, big question. Why do I talk about cryptozoology? Why do I talk about prophecy? At the end of the day, all they are the living examples of the fact that the Bible is true. If the Bible is true, then the truth claims made in the Bible are also true. Like, if you want to fight over whether or not it was a literal six days or if that's metaphorical, I don't care. I have my thoughts. I will teach on that. That's fine. I've got my opinions. But the thing you need to figure out is whether or not Jesus is the Christ, if he's the Messiah. That's the only question that matters. If Daniel 7's coming true, if there are living dinosaurs and stuff running around, which tells me that the flood is true, the flood narrative is true, then all the other teachings are true. That means Jesus is true. That means his resurrection is true. That means eternity is true. Folks, Daniel 7 is coming to pass as it was written literally 2,500 years ago. The time is right to get right with Jesus, and I mean fast. Yeah, it's it's coming pretty quick. I mean, regardless of what happens in Russia and everything, it's of course, it's scary, and it's it's there can be like escalations, and there can be all kinds of crazy crap going on. But, I mean, handle your orders. Mm-hmm. Handle your affairs within house right now, like, you know, just to be on the mm-hmm. on the safe side because you don't want to be stranded on the wind, you know, when everybody was already ready to go and you're still stuck out there by yourself. Um, so it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be interesting well, times, but it's 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 definitely mm-hmm. see we'll have to see what's you know what's going to happen. Hopefully, we we'll make it out of 2022 because it seems like we just jumped out of one sh- shit show, which was COVID, into <laughs> another one, and then now we got. A, freaking war going on and everybody's you know freaked out but I don't know. We'll have oh to yeah see what happens. well it, well here's what you gotta go back to it doesn't matter if this is world war three yet or not like i said i don't know if it's if if ukraine is the second or third rib because guess I, like two years ago i was driving two or three years ago now i was just driving on the road minding my own business i was obeying every law the car behind me i'm doing 70 miles an hour car behind me drives a little off the road, loses control, spins, hits me, turns me 180 degrees around, I flip over, and I roll off the road. I for There's that split moment where I'm like, well, this is how I die. Because I got no control over this. There's nothing I can do about this. I'm dead. Yeah. My father, 
was was he was a little ill. He was a little tired. He had some pains. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. One in the, for like about a month, he goes into the hospital. And within two days, we figure out that he when we find out he has cancer, and then he was dead two weeks later. Not even two weeks later. Again, whether this is the whether this is World War Three or not, every day is somebody's Armageddon. Now, on a slightly happier note, <laughs> and I don't know that this is necessarily a happier note. Um, to your again, just to the point. Yeah, it's it's the weekend. Yay! We're all gonna die. At least, so, so, hey, we're all gonna die sometime. I mean, again, you should be prepared for that. Again, I'm just saying, you, there's some things you can't you can't do you can't do retroactively. I, I'm just saying, get right with just get right with Jesus now, because whether it's nuclear fire twenty years from now or a heart attack tomorrow, you're gonna we're all gonna die. You gotta you gotta deal with that. But on to happier. Actually, you know what? That is a happy thought. Eternal eternal salvation. How is it doesn't get better than that? But moving on to a different topic. Because you mentioned like it does seem like we've gone from one catastrophe to the other. There is, though, a a there's an overlapping theme between COVID and this new Russia thing, right? It's the fact that our leaders have lied to us for so long that they've created these situations. These are all manufactured situations. Again, I'm not saying that I know for a fact that Russia was never going to do this. What I do know is it does seem like our leadership has gone out of its way to create the situation. Not just today, not just Joe Biden, all of them. They all created the situation in the same way that they helped. In the same way that our flawed foreign policy created the Taliban and then created Al Qaeda. We created the situation. Our leaders lie us into wars that they are not willing to do the right thing by. Look, I do believe that there's that we do need a military. I'm I'm a pretty I'm a pretty staunch conservative. I believe in in strong military power. I believe fundamentally that the world is run by the aggressive use of force, whether you like it or not. I don't like the fact that that's the way it is, but that is the way it is because the world is evil. What I do believe though is I think if we're if we're going to be killing people if we're going to be sending our sons our daughters into combat it better darn well be for a good reason and I don't necessarily always mean well we have to have good guys and bad guys I'm sorry guys that's too that's too simplistic a worldview right right good guys bad guys that's not a thing practicality matters if we're going to go to war go to war in a threat if we're going to do something because we need to maintain a shipping line, then let's make it about that. We don't need to lie about it. We don't need to to guess up and say, look, here's why it hit. here's why it is. Let's do practicality. Let's do rationality. That's what I want. The problem is our leadership isn't doing that. It's getting us engaged in things we really don't have any reason to get engaged in. Or if we should be engaged, we really should be doing a lot more than we are so we can finish the job quickly. Re, you know, do what we gotta do to to create a new. I love people like, oh, we can't be we can't be colonialists or imperialists. Well, then you gotta figure it out, man. You can't do this half measure crap. Look, I'm sorry, it's ugly, but you know what? You know, Rome. We don't necessarily have to go and conquer somebody, but if you're going to have to go in, you might as well do what we did with Japan. You go in, 
you basically, yeah, you, you either be an empire or don't. If you want to be an isolationist, be an isolationist. If you don't, if you want to be the world police, then be an empire and actually make people do right. But what we're doing is we're doing these half measure things, which is like, well, let's, which is what Rome did at its end. The reason the barbarians were able to approach and burn the gates of Constantinople was because Rome had armed and trained them. All of those, the Visigoths and all of the, and all of these other, uh, you know, barbarian hordes were the, were the former vassals of Rome. Those were the soldiers that Rome sent out to do Rome's bidding when the Romans couldn't be bothered to deal with it anymore. Sounds an awful lot like the, uh, like the Taliban to me. Yeah. I'm just thinking that. We couldn't be bothered to fight Russia and Afghanistan. So it's like, Hey, Mujahideen, all of you radical fundamentalist, uh, uh, Muslims, would you like a lot of ammunition and training on how to fight wars and how to, and particularly guerrilla warfare? Great. Let's do that. And then once they drove uh, Russia out, we're like, all right, well, let's just leave all those weapons and, and tactical training in, in your hands. Let's certainly not try and fix Afghanistan. Let's not build schools and hospitals. Let's not win the hearts and minds of the people in Afghanistan. Let's not send some people over to govern y'all for a few years and make certain that these radicals, these Islamic nut jobs, don't be the don't become the ones in power. But we didn't do that, and now the Taliban exists. And I'm sorry, the world is much worse off with the Taliban than it would have been with Russia in Afghanistan. Again, I'm over here saying, look, Russia is a, te- you know, the, the USSR was a terrible thing. The Holodomor was absolutely terrible. But the Taliban ain't better than the, than, uh, than the Russians. The yeah. Taliban was way worse than the Russians. So it goes back to, it seems like our leadership has gone out of its way to really create a really bad situation for us. And for the world in general. It lied to us about COVID and used it as a way to... To get us, you know, to basically just, this, we've seen the largest transfer of wealth from the middle class to the upper class in the history of the planet. I mean, literally, that's what we just saw. That was all done by the government. The government picked it, it chose it, it made it happen. Again, there is, you know, the fact that we're going from one catastrophe to another catastrophe, I'm not going to sit here and say that there's some dark cabal with a table with, you know, all these people standing around in twirling mustaches, right? They're not wearing elaborate supervillain clothes, you know, clothes with, you know, sitting in this darkened room with like a small imp in the middle of the table or something where they're conjuring Satan. I'm not saying anything like that. What I am saying, though, is evil people, greedy people, selfish people tend to be the ones who get into power. Again, for all the spiritual reasons we talked about earlier, those those fallen entities don't want good people in charge. It's a lot easier to, to deal with someone you already own. This is why the rich and powerful in the world tend to be the most corrupt. That's why they got the power in the first place, particularly the powerful. They're simply doing what their masters want. Our leadership is doing what their masters, the demons, want them to do. That's why it's like, it doesn't need to be a big conspiracy. It just needs to be, we just have to recognize that the spiritual world exists. 
It is planned, just not by people. The people are following orders. They're just doing what they're influenced to do. It's Satan who's in control, but we're not even bothering with, with Satan. We're just, well, I guess we better pay, we better make certain our 501c3 paperwork is correct. We don't want to lose, we don't want to lose those tax breaks. Let's certainly not pray about things, you know, about the government. Let's just, uh, you know, let's go make certain you vote the right way because it's the most important election in your time. Every election I have lived through in 41 years has been the most important election that has ever happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. I'm at some point, I'm going to start doubting it. That's all I'm saying. I'm like, so ho- either <laughs> you're lying to me about this and that this is all a bunch of crap. Right. And you're doing this to manipulate me. Or we have a remarkably fragile system that that really is not robust at all. And the, per- and the worst part is it could be both. Yeah, I agree. Our system could be remarkably fragile. But it's also we're being lied to because it's like the bugs. It's like the cockroaches. They distract us with the cockroaches. There are, the real battle are the bugs in space. But they're like, here, focus on these things. Support this thing you don't understand. You don't actually know the truth about. Believe what they are telling you on the, on the television, please. And if you question anyone, it's because you love Vladimir Putin and you hate the West and you want to murder your grandmother. Yikes. Yeah, it really is what it is. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's all unfortunate. It's just false smoke and mirrors. But um, as we kind of wind down here, let's go ahead and get everybody or let everybody know where they, they can actually find the teaching uh, that you did. Oh, um, yeah. YouTube channel and then where they can also buy the books as well. Um, so yeah, uh, Siru papers. So actually you can actually link to everything. My books, my website, uh, on my, and, uh, YouTube channel on my website. It's Siru papers.com. S I R U papers, like paper, paper. Yep. uh, .com. Uh, and so you, you, you have links to, I'm, I'm every Monday on Texas front porch. I actually do have um, a new show coming up uh, next Wednesday. Uh, it's called Jason McLean Questions Everything. It's sort of a panel discussion. We'll have um, mostly the people from the, uh, from the channel on, uh, but we'll have guests from time to time. Uh, but the, yeah, SiruPapers.com. It has a link to my Bible study and to uh, Papers, the YouTube channel, uh, which does... Uh, we do have stuff on cryptozoology, uh, ancient astronaut theory, ufology, and prophecy, right? Because, uh, again, my, my expertise is like at the beginning of the book and then the end of the book. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're – so, again, you're going to find – if you like – if you want to find out if there's a Christian uh, interpretation for UFOs, you know, what's being seen, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, that kind of thing, that channel's for you. If you want to, if you want to get a better look at, at prophecy, again, that channel's for you. Again, the links to all my books uh, can be found on that webpage as well. But or you can go to Amazon and type type me. Uh, you know, you'll find me. Unfortunately, there's a few other Jason McLeans running around, so I do recommend going to SiruPapers.com and just be like, hey, there's your 
there's your author's page. You're going to find books on, again, uh, you'll find some individual books on uh, the 2017 alignment. I was, by the way, the only one saying it was not the rapture. Um, you'll find books on, again, Lucifer is not Satan, right? right. You will find it's, uh, I won't, I won't spoil that. You'll find the tetralogy, which is a broader idea. Uh, but all those teachings are also going to go on serial papers. So you don't have to buy those books. You know, if you're like, well, maybe I don't have time to read. Great. We'll be doing videos on them, right? I'm not trying to make money off this stuff. I just want to make sure the teaching goes out. So over the coming months, we're going to do a lot more on prophecy. And so we're going to cover all of those topics as well, right? Um, but yeah, seerpapers.com. It has links to everything. One-stop shop for you. And it's definitely, if people want to kind of figure out how UFOs and all those crazy things actually prove that the Bible is true, you can actually mm -hmm. buy that book as well, like I did. How UFOs and Bigfoot Prove the Bible oh, yeah. is True by Jason Fink, which is a great book yeah. as well. Actually, I have mine sitting over here somewhere on the desk. But um, yeah, we'll have the links to the YouTube channel and everything down below for everybody as well as the website and well, all the books as well. Um, so that way everybody can go ahead and stop on in. So that way you guys, if you're kind of wanting to hear more from Jason and you're kind of upset that you only get to hear him when he comes on this show, you guys can actually go over to his show. You can buy all his stuff as well. So uh, you won't have to, you can actually skip the middleman, just get to him right away. So <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be good for you guys. Um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming back on as well. I'll let you get out and let you get your weekend started as well. Um, Friday night. So I appreciate that. Actually, I'm working all weekend. I actually have to go down to um, Glen Rose tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be with some uh, friends at the Creation Evidence Museum tomorrow. Uh, nice. Maybe do a little talking, a little teaching with some with some other friends. So it's it's a busy weekend. So I'm happy to come in and hang with you for a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, everybody. So I'll have the links and everything down in the show notes afterwards. Uh, so you guys can go ahead and check that out. Um, and as always, you guys are catching us on YouTube and you aren't already a subscriber, please, please, please hit that subscribe button as well. Um, make sure you guys share the link with yes. someone you know. Maybe mm -hmm. you love what we do here as well and you want to go ahead and spread that out to somebody else. Maybe uh, your mom or you're just like your brother or somebody. Maybe they'd be interested. Um, <laughs> that'll really help us grow as well. Um, if you guys mm -hmm. want to catch us on the go, you can catch us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio at Truth Defender Podcast. Link to all our social medias down below, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, Facebook, and Rumble. And as always, you can shoot us an email at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Everybody, please stay safe out there. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend um, and you guys get some rest and get ready for the week ahead. Um, yeah, everybody enjoy. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay blessed. And most of all, stay frosty. Mm -hmm.